Hello and welcome to the Here Be Dragons podcast, your podcast to those kitesurfing spots that are off the beaten track, and in case we cover a spot that is on the beaten track, we will give a new spin to it. Enjoy the show! Hello friends and welcome to the Here Be Dragons podcast, the best podcast to the most amazing kite and windsurfing spots on the planet. My name is Björn and as always I'm recording this from the landlocked country of Switzerland. So where are we going to take you today? Today we're going to go to the Philippines and we're going to go to the southeast point of the island of Minduro. We speak to Catherine. Catherine is one of those passionate adventurous people who opened up a kite center 10 or 12 years ago in Boracay which she now describes as the Mallorca of Asia. And uh, recently she decided to open up a brand new kite center in Minduro. As I'm recording this, this is already a couple of weeks later than we did the actual interview. At the moment we did the interview, she was still in Germany, almost on her way to the Philippines. And uh, in the meantime, I read on her Facebook page and in a short email communication we had, she's making good progress on the construction and opening of the kite center there it's going to open up in december so in a couple of weeks yeah looks like a fantastic destination uh, really great winds beautiful spots a lot of alternative spots around the area as well with a lot of islands but i'm not gonna but i'm not gonna betray too much you will hear more about that in the interview and as always i also provided a link to a spot map in the show notes i would highly advise that because we speak about a lot of spots so you can follow us around so check that out in the show notes click on the link and it will get you to a google map so without further ado i give you Catherine. Today I have the pleasure to welcome Catherine on the podcast. Catherine has been running a kite center in Boracay in the Philippines for roughly 10 years. Now she starts a brand new project. It's going to open in December on Mindoro, also in the Philippines. And um, yeah, today we have the pleasure to have her on the podcast. Catherine, welcome. Yeah, I'm very excited to be here and I'm very excited about the coming times like Mindoro is going to be a big challenge because it's going to be so different to everything I've done before. Cool. Before we dive into the sports, the winds and the usual stuff we talk about um, on the podcast, you had quite a kitesurfing background. Um, I looked a little bit on your blog posts and some of them are already a little bit older, but uh, I looked at your blog post. Give us a little bit about your background and also you were quite involved, especially in the Asian Kite Tour, but also you participated in some European events uh, on on the tour. Yeah, like um, actually nothing was planned. I grew up with windsurfing, like I'm coming from the Baltic Sea north of Germany. So all my friends were windsurfers and I had the choice, like when I was small, either go horseback riding with the girls or windsurf. So I was windsurfing when I was small. And then 2000, I was working in Egypt as a dive instructor and the wind was never strong enough for windsurfing. And I saw the first kite surfers on the water and then I was like, okay, let's try this. 
if the wind is not strong enough, I go uh, kitesurf. If the wind is strong, I go windsurfing. You do that only two years, and then uh, I forgot about the windsurfing. I bought smaller kites, and when I traveled to the, well, later on, as everyone, like, you pick destinations for traveling just like the wind is. And when uh, I came to the Philippines, it was perfect wind, like, kiteable every day. I spend a lot of time in the water and Asia has a very, very small community of kites. So you get to know a lot of people in a short time. And um, 2009, um, the first KTA was launched, a kiteboard tour Asia. And the guy who organized it, Neil Goldbold, a British kite surfer, he asked me, why don't you join competitions? I never thought about competitions or anything like this. I was like, oh, okay, it's just like traveling with friends to destinations where I wouldn't have gone, you know, like all those places in Asia who who started to invite the kiteboard tour to come to their place to make the place famous for kite surfing. Those places I would have never gone to. So it was really like discovering places for kite surfing with friends. So I said, like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to join the tour. And it was amazing. It was really, really good times, like um, traveling with friends and like, the community was small so we were like maybe in the beginning we were like 30 40 people traveling together doing competitions and it was all fun i won like i was quite successful i didn't expect but i was quite successful and then i got sponsors so cabrina uh, became my sponsor and i said like why not let's try the european tour as well so this is how it all started and um yeah, it's quite it's quite nice. Like once you're inside the tours, you know, like you have like ev- almost every month a destination to go to. You travel and like the competitions covered my traveling also. So that was quite amazing. That's good. And that's how <laughs> you also figured out your love for the Philippines. Actually, it was a holiday where you where you ended up in the Philippines. Well, I was working as a TV host before. Like I studied journalism and I was working for VW as a TV host for a traveling show and a fun sport show. And um, after two years, uh, pro- like VW didn't want to spend the money anymore. So the project died. And one of the last show was Philippines. And... The project died in November and I hate winters in Europe. I hate the cold and solar charge, I think. So I was like, okay, November, uh, I'm going to go somewhere warm. And at that time, I was working also as a dive instructor. I got a job offer in the Philippines on Boracay as a dive instructor. And I checked for a place where I could make my money with diving, but still kite at the same time. And Boracay seemed to be perfect at that time. I arrived there. No money to earn at all in diving because there were di- 30 dive schools already. Okay. Um, there were no kites at all, but perfect wind. So, like, there were three or four kites at that time who were trying to teach themselves kiting. And we brought our gear when we arrived there and kited almost every day. And then it grew really, really fast, like... Uh, in that time, in that first year, yeah, the first kite surfing school opened, and it was all friends who were divers before, and who were like, okay, let's let's do something new, let's teach kite surfing. <laughs> it was funny. So then you opened up this kite center in uh, in Borokai. This was ten years ago or something. Yeah, eleven years ago. Yeah. You've been running this kite center 
surfer's home, actually it's called, or the resort. It's, can I ask you, we can edit it out if you want, but <laughs> what's the honest answer? Why did you, why did you came up with the idea of opening up a kind center somewhere else in the Philippines? There's two things. There is the resort and there's the kind school. So, um, First, I started to teach for friends. And then what I did is like I wrote to all the different tour operators in Europe because there was no money to earn in diving, but there was perfect wind. So I emailed all the sports tour operators in Europe. And Asia was a white spot on the map at that time. So they said, yeah, could you do something either in Thailand, Philippines or Vietnam? And I decided for the Philippines because of the language. So everyone is speaking English, mm -hmm. which made it really, really easy. And then I got my own guests and was getting uh, or became partner of the Isla Kitesurfing Center. So we had uh, our guests from the two operators and then we were working together like uh, with four partners in that kite school and we employed instructors. And as I couldn't find for myself a room to stay anymore because the prices were rising at that time already on Boracay, nobody wanted to rent daily anymore and uh, nobody wanted to rent monthly anymore. So it was quite pricey to, to live in the long term. I decided to lease land and I built a resort with first one bungalow for myself and three bungalows for guests. And I realized, wow, I can have much, much more rooms because I can easily fill them. And this is how I started Surfer's Home. And tell us, why did you decide now to move away? There were two facts. Like first, my lease was on a limited time, which was like 12 years. So time for flying i could expand uh, extend the land now but like it's for different so, price so so expensive it's the uh, same as hong kong prices so Crazy. that would mean i need like i cannot cannot use the bungalows anymore i would need to build a hotel i need to build high to have more rooms to cover the lease of the land mm. but this is what i don't want and i realized many many of my guests turned the back to boracay because it got so crowded like there are so many chinese and korean guests not kaitas but like the white beach is full of tourists And it's not what my guests expected to have. Like they come with a dream to kite like white sand beaches, pine trees, kite every day, have the beach for themselves. And then they come there to the Mallorca of Asia, you know. So they got like first few days, they always had a cultural shock. And for me, it was like, okay, it's time to find a new place where you can attract Europeans again who have that dream to kite exotic destinations. Yes. And as I did kite safaris for many, many years, like I've been traveling around with a kite, taking guests to lonely islands. I knew quite a lot of places in the Philippines and I love to discover myself, all the islands. You have like 7,000 islands in the Philippines. So you can always have an island for yourself and you can always have the robins on life and you can take your kite because it's quite windy everywhere. So I knew quite a lot of places. And what I also do is like I check the wind maps. Oh, I love that. I went maps and then I check where the spots that have like like quite a lot of wind, like regularly. I check in Google Maps if it would be kiteable. So white sand beaches or if it's a flat, shallow bay or like stuff like this. And then I go there and check if it's kiteable. I think the Philippines, I had a short discussion in a previous episode actually with Bowen about this. Yeah. Uh, I think there are still a thousand spots to be discover, uh, discovered discovered yeah, in the Philippines, isn't it? For sure. Like, um, 
especially that concept like with the wind map and then you check in Google Maps and then you go there, you will be surprised. You know, there are so many nice beaches. It's unbelievable. And nobody has ever been. And like the locals love if you come there with a the kite because they've never seen kites and they get so excited. It's so nice. So you found this spot really with your kite safaris and looking on Wind Guru and Google Maps zooming in until you found a white sandy beach where you thought It had a lot of wind. Well, and Bulalakau for me is nice because it's only like it's only three hours by fast ferry from Boracay. So I can still visit my friends, which I have on Boracay, of course. And then there was another story 10 years ago already. So that was quite the beginning for me on Boracay. The mayor of Bulalakau got to know me through the kite board to Asia. And he emailed me and he was like, oh, I want to develop tourism in Bulalakau. Can you come and can you check if it's kite? We want to attract tourists here. But that was 10 years ago. Okay. So I went and I had trainees from Germany who were studying tourism management. And they did uh, their final thesis at university about tourism development in Bulalakau, which is funny. Like at that time, I was like, no way. We cannot do anything here. It's, it's nothing, you know, like it's nothing around. Uh, there was no, not even one hotel. You had only like the small eateries. You had no supermarkets at all. I was like, okay, just write your thesis. The mayor, a mayor will be happy, but like it's too early to do something. And now I ended up there. It's funny, no? <laughs> yeah, and I think also what changed. I mean, I've been kiting also since a long time, since 2000 actually. And I think... Because some of the places got so busy that a lot of kiters are willing to go the extra mile to find a more secluded spot. So the expectation is not only that you fly in, take the taxi and 30 minutes later you're pumping up your kite and you're on the water. I think the expecta expectation also changed and people are willing to take a day's travel in into consideration It, to really yeah, find a secluded exactly. place. Yeah, like you have many, many... If they fly so far anyway, you know, like they are quite, uh, quite into discovering and quite adventurous. Um, in the Philippines, we have like two kinds of kites. Either they want to like use Boracay as a party destination because they say like there are not so many places where you can kite and party in one place or where you have a perfect infrastructure for the whole family. If you take your non-kiting girlfriend or if you take your kids, all this you have on Boracay. But then you also have kiters who, who say like we want to have like an exotic destination. We want to have like dream beaches all for ourselves. And the advantage of uh, Bulalakau is like, um, and I didn't want to start in the middle of nowhere. Now within that 10 years, there is an infrastructure. So like for me, I needed uh, water, electricity and internet. And I needed like um, a supermarket nearby to buy all the things uh, and not to travel too far, you know. And it needs to be quite accessible for tourists. So this is how I choose locations. If somebody needs to do after a 16-hour flight, a 10-hour boat ride, it's a no-go for me. It's impossible, you know, for somebody who has two weeks holidays only. So Bulalakau is quite accessible. It's easy to reach. What you said is you need water, electricity and internet. Nowadays, it's probably the other way around. You need electricity and internet and water. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was on holiday um, a couple of weeks ago in the summer. And actually, we came to the place. There was no water. They forgot to switch it on. But the first thing oh, we did is actually. But the first thing we we did is actually check the internet. The, <laughs> ask the passport for the Wi-Fi. 
<laughs> the water. We need to check the wind. <laughs> we can buy a bottled water somewhere. Anyway, so the infrastructure. But um, that gets me to another point. The, you mentioned it a little bit uh, before already. One of the reasons why you chose the place that it's not too difficult to get there. Um, if you're coming from Europe or from the US, how, how would you, or from Australia? Yeah, it's easy to get to. Like Australia, even easier because you have the low budget airlines like uh, Air Asia and Cebu Pacific who are connecting Australia now through Kuala Lumpur or Singapore or directly from Sydney to uh, Manila. You can fly for Super, super low price, the same as in Europe, Ryanair flies. From Europe or from the States, you can either fly into Manila. And then from Manila, you catch another inland flight, which is only one hour to San Jose Mindoro. And then you have one hour, like we pick up our guests from the airport. Sorry to interrupt you, but that's yeah. actually on Mindoro. So they don't fly to the island, which is below Borokai. No, you like that would be the second choice. So if you don't, if you want to avoid Manila because Manila is not so nice to see, so if you if you come to the Philippines, it's not to uh, it's not worth to stay a day in Manila. It's just like a shopping place. It's nothing really sightseeing wise. It's nothing. To so if you want to combine your kite holiday with a city stay or or with a stopover, it's, it makes much more sense to stop either in Singapore or Kuala Lumpur or Hong Kong. And from there, you can fly directly to Boracay because Boracay has two international airports now. It's Katiklan and Kalibo. Mm -hmm. And from Katiklan, it's only a three-hour ferry ride. And the ferry is very, very uh, modern, good standard. And it, you can sleep on the ferry. You can watch TV. You have internet on the ferry, so it's nice. And if you fly into Mindoro, how far away is it? Then by taxi or by you pick actually. It's an hour. It's an hour uh, by car. So we pick up. We pick up our guests from the airport. Really doable. Yeah. It's not a five-hour drive. So tell us a little bit why you chose this spot. Why the wind? The wind speeds. But tell us a little bit about the spot itself. The spot itself is very similar to Boracay. Um, it's a protected bay. Uh, with an, uh, it's protected by an outside reef, so it's perfect for beginners. You have a shallow bay with sandy bottom, uh, no corals, and then you have side onshore wind from the left. And the wind is very, very reliable because you have mountains on Mindoro and you have mountains on Panay. So it channels in between those two islands and you have like constant wind from October until mid-April. And most flown kite sizes are 9 and 12 square meter. In January, February, you have the strongest wind where you need 7 meter kites also. So it goes from 15 to 25 or 30. Yeah, exactly. And then the advantage uh, compared to Boracay, you don't have only one bay. You have like many, many islands in front. We have 11 different islands, tiny islands in front. So you can either do like um, downwinders from island to island and be accompanied with a safety boat or you can kite every day another island, you know. So you have spots pretty much for everyone. You have like beginner spots, but then you have also spots or day trips for advanced people who can just choose like uh, every day another kite spot so it doesn't get boring and these islands are located where these are the ones on the southeast yeah you have like uh, small islands like sukikai or Bu buyayao 
Yeah. Uh, these are, and then you have like inside the bay where Bulalakau town is, you have uh, small islands also. Aslom, for instance, is a small sandbank, which is perfect for kiting. And then you have like a little bit further away, like one and a half hours by boat. You have uh, Semirara, which is normally a mining island. You're on Google Maps at the moment. Yeah, no, I yeah, see it, yeah. <laughs> and then you have Libagao and Nagubat. In between those, we do also downwinders, and these are really nice. Like the locals are super nice. We buy fish of the local fishermen. Um, you can kite from Libagao to Nagubat, and Nagubat is a nice sandbank with shallow water, which is kiteable for all levels also. So it's a good beginner spot too. And that is a beautiful, but that's a pretty long distance already, isn't it? Oh, it's like uh, one and a half hours by boat. No, I mean the distance you kite actually. Ah, it's half an hour to kite in okay. between those. So it's yeah. like 10, 10 15 <laughs> yeah, kilometers or yeah. something exactly. in this range. Yeah, well, if we foil, sometimes we go downwind with a twin tip and foil back from Nagubat to Libagao with a foil kite, uh, with a foil board. <laughs> and this Nagubat, that's really, um, it's a sandbank or it's a coral reef actually, yeah, isn't exactly. it? Beautiful, looks beautiful if you we look take, at it. We buy normally our fish from the fishermen in Libagao and then we do campfire on Nagubat, do our picnics there, take everything to have lunch there and kite, kite, kite. And then on the, in the evening you take the boat back to... Uh, yeah, I just go to Bulalakao. That's excellent. That's of course a major advantage to Borokai that you have, you can also offer this kite safaris. Exactly. Um, we were very successful with Seco Island. Seco Island is quite known already because we've done it so many years. There were three people or three tour operators offering Seco Island. But as it's quite, Seco Island is like further south, it's on the west coast of Panay. And it's beautiful. For me, it's one of the best kite spots I've seen. But it's so in the middle of nowhere. So who wants to experience a stay uh, as a Robinson on an island? Seco Island is 100 meters by 50 meters. You have one one palm tree and a few bushes <laughs> and we take people there we stay two nights on the island and we take everything because you have no signal no phone signal no water no electricity and uh, we go with the local fishermen there we take normally like eight to ten people take all the food all the drinking water shower water put up our camp there cook on the campfire kite 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 use solar showers so and those safaris, we've been running for nine years now, and people love it. Like, it's just so different to anything else, you know? Like camping. Like, if you cannot sleep under the stars or in a hammock or in a tent, it, or if you need a proper toilet, it's not your trip. Okay. <laughs> well, there's enough, there's enough water around, so... But this is already, uh, so you take the ferry back to the island below Boracay, and then you take, and then you take the boat from, uh, from the, it's not the mainland, but from the mainland to Seco Island. Also, like we we try to get some guests from Boracay still, of course. It's, it's yeah. offered to Boracay because we are the only ones doing it now. But fam uh, Seco is famous to kite surfers already. You have so many YouTube videos and they all look amazing. Just everyone is struggling to organize. All the kite schools don't want to do the effort. And uh, we have our fixed boat crew who we are working for so many years. So... And I love those fishermen, so we still offer that trip. And for me, it's always 
even if I've done it so many times, it's always an adventure for me and I love it. Yeah, it's beautiful. And it's you have this flat water. Yeah, and you have to come. <laughs> I love doing this podcast. Yeah, I really love it. I love talking to the to people that are passionate about the kite surfing and it enables me to travel in mind at least to those places. The only problem with this podcast is that my bucket list keeps on growing and growing and growing. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have to kite until I'm 120 to uh, get all the <laughs> places. Age is only a number nowadays. Yeah, like, so it's... Um, yeah, 70. Well, my oldest student was 73. Takes a bit longer to learn because reaction time is normally a bit slower but like they learn and i love it that they still want to learn you know? i mean the best no the best uh kept secret about kite surfing is that it's an old man's sport <laughs> if, if you want to do it until an old age you can far better than you can do windsurfing um, yeah. because you lose strength and with kite surfing you can compensate for a lot of strength with uh, yeah. with your technical skills coming back to the spot so it's behind a reef. So it's a basically it's a flat water. It's flat water. Like if you want, like it's quite quite hard to find waves in the Philippines. Like you either have surfing spots, but the wind is really bad. Um, no, like it's a flat water spot. It's not not for the people who look for big waves. Is the bottom um, any hazard, or is it a sand? Is it sand it's bottom? It's sandy bottom. Uh, there are no rocks. Like uh, we test, like it's funny in low tide we tested it all because the Boracay has quite a lot of sea urchins. So we were walking the whole whole bay in Bulalacau just to check if there's anything. <laughs> Couldn't find anything. It's sandy. So it's excellent. So you have a large shallow area as well. Yes. Sukikai, the island uh, north northeast of uh, Bulalakau, uh, or Bislik Beach is actually the beach called where I am located. Uh, you have a huge, huge shallow area. Like it's, uh, you have parts knee deep, and then you have like waist deep parts. So that's where we're gonna take beginners also. Like we teach in our bay, of course, but then we're gonna go also to Sukikai, which is like ten minutes with boat, or exactly. Is there any sea life to be spotted or is that something Tourism is only starting. It's like in the like in the very very beginning they start now to try to find uh, diving spots because on Mindoro you have excellent excellent diving but it's far away like Sablayan on the west coast is the access point to Apo Reef with, uh, which is like one of the best uh, dive spots in the Philippines is a national park Apo Reef and you have like everything, all the big fish also. And then, of course, very known for the divers is Puerto Galera, but it's five hours away from us by car. So now they try to, like the mayor does the same as 10 years ago for me, like when he said, like, can you come over and check if it's Kaitaville? He does the same to the divers now because he wants to develop diving also. And the same for mountain biking, like we try, like once I finish construction, I want to focus uh, on the mountains. I want to check for mountain bike trails. There is friends of mine who check like with motorbikes is perfect for enduro. And I have another friend, an American guy who's coming over because he loves rock climbing. And the mountains there are really, really nice uh, for rock climbing too. So he wants to find some routes to develop the rock climbing there. So there will be activities soon. At the moment, uh, we are happy to take people to waterfalls, go go mountain biking, go stand-up paddle, and just discover. And yoga is also a topic which uh, I saw that you're going to offer. Exactly. Yoga and kitesurfing are 
a perfect combination, I think. Me, I'm not a yoga lover, but like I have so many guests asking for yoga. And a friend of mine is a yoga instructor who's teaching internationally. So on the 5th to 11th of March, she's coming over and we offer the combination of a yoga and kite camp. And there will be two yoga classes a day. So in the morning, they do vinyasa yoga and in the evening, a cool down yoga yin and yang and uh, daytime we either teach or people can use our gear to kite surf and discover all the different spots cool a little bit of the asian vibe in there yeah exactly and then we offer also cooking classes so uh, daniela is the name of uh, the yoga instructor she wants to teach also like healthy cooking and stuff like that what's the flora and fauna like in the area is it uh tropical or is it it's a tropical island so if you go inside the mountains you have like rainforest and you have like the mangyan uh, villages like the native people who live off nature and it's super nice to spend the day with them because you can learn a lot they they would show you around you know and how they survive just with the things nature offers you have waterfalls and then also you like if you go mountain biking it's super super nice to ride through the rice fields you have many rice fields also tell us something because it's not just a guide center where you can rent out stuff and get your courses you also offer the accommodation i looked on the website and i would advise anybody to look it's really really nice what you're planning to do there or what is actually uh, going to happen there in december uh, tell us a little bit about that because you offer really from How did you call it? Uh, glamping. Glamping. Yeah. camping, yes. Did you coin this phrase or? <laughs> no, no, no. It's 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 booming in Asia. Uh -huh. Like it's for those people who want still like the camping experience, but who don't want to use the glamour. Like they don't, they still want to sleep in tent, uh, not they still want to sleep in beds. And they want furniture, but they want to camp. They want to sleep inside the camp. So you need to mix both. Yes. <laughs> and you get the glamping. So you have the eco-friendly accommodation where you camp and you have the feeling of camping, but you can still sleep in a bed. So what we do is we use uh, safari tents from Africa. We furnish them and still uh, you're not sleeping in a, in a, you still sleep in a tent, but you have your private uh, bathroom. So each tent gets connected with a proper bathroom in the back and everyone still has their private bath. And then we have also bungalows for the people who want air conditioning. Yeah, I'm not an air conditioned lover because there is always wind and you always have the breeze, but um, especially if you want uh, local tourists, even Filipinos like the Manila people start to get more and more into kiting and they wouldn't come if you wouldn't have air conditioning. So we do also bungalows. What I never wanted to build is a hotel, like three or four stories i love the bungalow style i want like a small like you have a small place for yourself where you feel home you know like it should be cozy it's near the water and it's affordable for everyone so i always try to keep the price that i would spend uh, if i go somewhere on a holiday And for the ones who don't have money at all, we're going to have hammocks and we offer a locker. So everyone has their private locker and they can just sleep in the hammock. And um, with our accommodation, we offer like full board because at the moment, um, like especially in the beginning, when you don't know how many guests you're going to have, we want to have a camp style where everybody gets to know each other. So we cook different dishes, do a buffet. Uh, buffet and everyone eats together 
Yeah, and as soon as the tourism goes up, I think there will be popping up some local restaurants or some people who yeah, will start exactly. cooking on the street for uh, for your guests. Yeah. It's it's the same like all the camps you see in Sri Lanka. You know, I really really like that option. Like uh, there's a new camp in Mana up north on Adams Bridge, and also like when tourism in Kalpitya started in Sri Lanka. They all did it camp style. They were eating together and that brought like everyone got to know each other. It was really nice, like a big kiting family, you know. Yeah, it's really nice that you also offer this budget option uh, because I can imagine uh, that if you want to travel through the Philippines as a backpacker and you're on a kite surfer, you can actually nowadays stop at certain locations and you don't have to bring your own gear. Exactly. Still sleep for an affordable price and rent out some gear for a day and then um, be on your way a couple of days later. Yeah. That's excellent. I really, I really love that idea. And it's, I uh, would advise again everybody to check the website because it's really affordable for on the pictures. Looks uh, really excellent, really cozy, and uh, thank you. <laughs> and, no, it looks really, looks really lovely. Tell us a little bit about what you offer from a kite surfing perspective. Um, we offer, of course, courses for all levels. Like we are happy about beginners to to motivate them to come into the water and to share our passion. But then also um, we do classes for advanced riders. So if there's somebody who says like I'm stuck, I cannot go upwind, I want to learn a backroad, we check their level and then we continue from where they are. With you, they're in good hands. Oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> I hope. <laughs> and. We're going to have like um, different instructors. So just to cover languages, because like our tourists are very multi-culti. So like especially also like like before in Boracay, the main goal is to to teach people in their native language. You know? And you offer the rental of gear as well, don't you? Of course. Of course. We use uh, Cabrina gear. We're going to have latest Cabrina gear 2018. There will be twin tips in all sizes. There will be uh, switch blades, radars for teaching because they are easy to launch. And there will be also surfboard. And um, for those who want to learn, because I love foil boarding, uh, we're going to offer also foil courses. Have you tried or not? No. And I have to try. Yeah, I have to try it. I <laughs> Saw some people riding them in 25, 30 knots wind with a mini kite. They were going upwind like crazy at a speed, amazing, um, flying over the water. It was really, yeah. really beautiful. And, yeah, it's uh, nice because you can't feel the chop. You can ride in any wind. Even if the wind drops down, you're still going, which is nice for us like to, to travel in between the island and you're so much faster, you know, and Especially for your knees, if you do the long distance stuff going from island to island, you won't feel it anymore. So this is what it makes it really, really nice. How many places do you have in the overall? Uh, Philippines or? No. <laughs> how many? What? Sorry, I, that's my mistake. Um, for how many people do you have accommodation if you would be uh, completely full? Okay, we have six bungalows and uh, six uh, glamping tents for the first season. And then we're going to see if we extend. So in a bungalow, we have the option uh, of uh, two people sharing or four people because there are going to be two double beds inside and the same in the safari tent. So maximum 20 people on, yes, the, yes. on the spot because you're the only ones. Yes. For as long as it takes. Yeah. Catherine, any other thing you want to share with us? Any story you want to share with us for the listeners about the Philippines or about the spot? 
Well, Mount, the Mount Eaglet National Park is really, really special. So if you're not only... Philippines is a destination where you shouldn't go if you want to kite only. Of course, you can, but you would miss out a lot, you know. So it's a country you should really discover and visit. And there are so many other things to do besides kiting. So you can kite like every... like. Wind is guaranteed, so you can kite like two, three hours a day, but don't spend the time on the water only, like especially uh, in Mindoro, you have many, many other things. And uh, Mount National Park, Mount Iglet National Park is really special to me because to see those Mangyan people who live without money still, you know, like didn't participate in development at all and live off nature and like wild buffaloes, you have like a mix of, of African, uh, like, African style and then a bit of Asia like wild buffaloes, uh, a lot of hiking. So there are a lot of things to do also besides hiding and you shouldn't miss out this. Okay, Catherine, before we end the interview, where can people reach you? What's the best? I will, of course, post the, um, you don't have to spell it out now. If you want, you can, but I will put the, all the details on the web. I'm easily to find like either through the website, Facebook, Instagram, uh, email, like you can find me everywhere. It's kitesurfmindoro, isn't it? Kitesurfmindoro.com. Same in Facebook and same in Instagram and Twitter. Okay. I will, of course, include all the details yeah. in the show notes so that people can find you. Perfect. Thank you so much. All right. With that said, uh, Catherine, thank you very much for taking the time coming on the podcast and hope to talk to you soon and wish you, of course, all the best and great success with with the new cat center and uh, accommodation and hope that everything goes according to plan but according to you, how you describe the spot i'm 100 percent sure this is going to be a great success thank you so much i hope to see many many people there and would love to show them around thanks i sure hope you enjoyed that interview but before we end the show i wanted to ask you for three favors first of all Please advise the show or refer the show to one of your kitesurf buddies so we get the audience up. Secondary, if you want to rate the show on iTunes, please do so. It will help other people find the show more easily. And third and most importantly, please subscribe to the newsletter on the website. You will find the info in the show notes so I can inform you when a new episode has arrived and what it's all about. And with this said, hope to talk to you in two weeks. Take care. Heavens to Murgatroyd. Oh,
do 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 do